Paul is wrapping up his first letter to Timothy by expanding what to look for in a false teacher. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. The first indicator of false witness is inconsistency. The doctrine to which Paul refers has two touchstones, but one cornerstone. The words of Jesus Christ and godliness are two definitions of the same criteria. Godliness is that state to which we all aspire but cannot attain in this world. The gospel, made manifest in the teachings of Jesus here on earth, is the perfect expression of godliness. We get into trouble when we strive to improve upon perfection. This, if you stop and think about it, has been mankind's problem from the beginning. Adam and Eve had everything they needed, but not the one thing they wanted. After an encounter with a crafty snake, the lure was the lie that they could become like God. By trying to enhance the doctrine of godliness, we make the mistake of thinking we know a better way. As rightly put by the apostle, we are conceited if we buy into the notion that we know better than Christ. In reality, by making this error, we demonstrate that for all we have been taught and studied about godliness, we know nothing. This is the reason that in pursuit of disciplines, from sports to the military to law, the basics are taught and retaught ad nauseum. Mistakes are often made when we ad lib forsaking the fundamentals. How many books have been written about new ways to consider time-tested principles? Usually, these, quote, new experts, end quote, have, having been taught the basics, but have spent an inordinate amount of time conjuring their, quote, new approach, end quote. The primary motivator driving these so-called experts 
is financial gain. The bait used by the snake is actually something found in the hearts of mankind, some better controlled than others. Pride. Paul offers the cure in verse 6. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Contentment, manifested in humility, provides the antidote to the poison of pride and greed. Once applied, the antidote actually results in the riches God offers us as a reward for our self-control. Once again, we are reminded of the fruits promised by the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This time, the last one listed. Our only requirement is listening to that Spirit that indwells every believer. Paul delivers, in verse 7, a reminder of the transient nature of earthly treasure. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. With a well-turned phrase, he brings to mind the words of our Savior, recorded in Matthew 6, 19-21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 8 describes the sum total of our daily needs. If you have food and covering, with these we shall be content. We should, based on our prayer to our Lord, be satisfied with our daily bread. Paul even expands our requirement to include clothing. In verse 9, we read the wages of greed and pride. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Verse 10 contains an often quoted and misquoted not to mention misapplied phrase. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You may be more familiar with money is the root of all evil, 
problem is money is a fungible token. It has nothing to do with the heart of a person. Love of money is quite another matter. What we're really talking about is greed with a root cause of pride. C.S. Lewis puts it very well. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If someone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. So, what is the exhortation given by Paul to Timothy and the rest of the leadership in Ephesus? But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul finalizes this portion of his message with what amounts to a prayer. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Paul's first letter is sealed with final instructions, essentially bookending his message. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share.
storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. O oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. And, dear reader or hearer, with you as well.